Hi, my name is Sherry Doherty, and I'm a 54-year-old lady in red, in act two of my career and living my best life. My perspective on life and behaviors have been governed by who I was as a child, who I became, and who I am still striving to be. People my age are beautiful, bold, confident, and full of wisdom. And truly, the encore of the story of your life is still when the best songs are yet to be sung. My mission in this podcast is to shine the spotlight on people like me, have real conversations about reinvention stories, and inspire you to continue to follow your dreams regardless of your age. I'm doing it for Daisy. Who are you doing it for? Welcome back to the Encore Podcast. Today, I have with me Dr. Megan Wilkin, who is someone I have the utmost respect for. She is a glowing testament of continuing to evolve and grow in midlife, let's call it for Megan. As everyone knows, typically my guests are 50 plus, and today I've made an exception, but Megan is worth it. Megan is just about to turn 40, and I do know her. She is a personal friend, and I have watched her grow and evolve and change over the last couple of years, but she's really hit her stride in the last six months, and it's so beautiful, and I'm so proud to be part of her world. I've witnessed it all, and I said to her, you have to share this with others. I would love if you would join me on the Encore podcast, because your story is so beautiful, and I'm proud of everything that you are accomplishing and just wanted to have you on today. So welcome, Megan. Well, thanks. That's such a wonderful introduction. You know it comes straight from the heart. Absolutely. Megan is super smart, and (laughs) I'm going to let her introduce herself. She has numerous titles. Uh, Like I said, she is a doctor, and she is also a professor, but I will let her give her own designations because I don't want to mess them up. Sure. So I am Dr. Megan Wilkin. I have a PhD in behavioral neuroscience. I recently actually got that during the pandemic. So I graduated in 2020. So I'm not that kind of doctor is what I like to tell people because people assume that you're a medical doctor and I'm not. I'm a professor and a researcher. Um, I currently teach at St. Lawrence College with the nursing program there and at the Royal Military College of Canada uh, in the Department of Military Psychology and Leadership. All right. Well... So yeah, I am super smart. You are super smart. <laughs> What's really funny is you are super smart. You're clearly our smartest friend. Okay. By stature. And no offense of all of our friends, but be a little offended. But you are also like so sincere and genuine and I never feel intimidated. And you're great for having intellectual conversations, but also simplifying them so that everybody else can have them. But I know if you had to pull out textbook Megan at any time, you could also do that and hang with the intellects. So I love that versatility in your personality. Yeah, absolutely. I think that comes with being a teacher and having to take, you know, pretty high conceptual things and break them down into more simple terms for students who are trying to understand something for the first time. But at the same time, you have to be able to speak to a number of different stakeholders. So for myself, it's high-ranking members of the military, the government, and so on. So I have to be able to be flexible between those two types of people and adapt to the language that they need to converse in. Yeah. Well, you are very good at it. (laughs) Thanks. The structure of our interviews typically is, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you were as a child, what you're willing to share, the highlights and the lowlights, and then we'll kind of follow along your story because you also have really started to hit your stride, I'd say, 
from 38 to 40 and just about to turn 40. We're going to be celebrating that in Mexico. I'm very yeah. excited to I'm do that with excited. you. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> but so much has changed for you. And I know you didn't have an easy childhood. Yeah. I know you've had some loss in your life yeah. that I know you carry with you and it hurts. And, you know, you have a different kind of support system than maybe traditional because of some of that has happened in your life. So as much as you're willing to share, you know, who Megan was, where you were born and raised, what you did, that would be great. And then, you know, we'll kind of get to the mid story, which is, you know, was there a moment of truth or something that told you, you know, I want more or I want different and what that looked like. So if you don't mind starting with kind of your backstory, we'd love to hear it. Sure. So yeah, I'm a country girl at heart. I grew up in the country on a horse farm. We were kind of nomadic, to be honest with you, because my parents separated when I was six or seven years old, which at the time I was in Catholic school. So that was a rarity. And just the time period that it was, it was the early 90s. And that was not a very common thing for people to get divorced and be separated. So I was the only person at my school school that had separated parents, for example. And then as a result of being raised primarily by my mom, we moved around a lot. I think that's also where my versatility and adaptability actually comes from is because I was the new kid in class all the time. Growing up on a horse farm or a farm in general teaches you a little bit of different life than maybe growing up in an urban center. So you learn to rely on people in interesting ways, I'll say. The relationships that you form in the country is usually because access to resources is reduced. So for example, you know, the nearest town with a grocery store would be half an hour away. So if you forgot something at the grocery store, it was easier to go to your next door neighbor. Right. Whereas maybe you don't do that in the city because maybe you just don't have that relationship. In the country, it's kind of this unwritten rule. So from there, I went to high school in Guelph, Ontario. Okay. But at the transition point between high school and university, a lot of the people from Guelph wanted to stay in Guelph and I just knew I needed to break free. So I kind of applied all over the place, including Europe and the United States, because I wanted to be away. I just wanted right. to explore and kind of be free. Not that high school was bad. It was I was a good student. I was involved in a bunch of activities. School has always sort of been my thing. So it's not surprising that I stayed right. in school for a very long <laughs> period of time. Yeah, so school was always my thing. And I got accepted at a bunch of places because I had good grades and I was really involved extracurricularly. So that was an easy transition uh, into university life. And the same thing happened when I applied to graduate school. So applying to graduate school again, I kind of applied all over the world into a lot of places in North America, but also in Europe, got accepted a bunch of places. Uh, and that transition was fairly easy with one exception, I would say, is about a month before I moved here to Kingston and scheduled to begin graduate school, my dad actually was in a severe motor vehicle accident. And being more educated in brain science than any of my family members, it was on my shoulders to make the decision to either maintain him on life supporting measures or take him off of those life supporting oh measures. Boy. So, you know, at 25, having to make the decision, and it's now a life or death decision, because if we take him off of the life sustaining measures, eventually across time, he's going to pass away. Right. And so how soon do you do that? Do you do it right away and let nature take its course? Do you maintain an individual on life support? And, you know, in conversation with his doctors, a lot of the things about my dad and who my dad was were gone. So a lot of his personality and a lot of his memory and a lot of his, you know, the things that make you you. Right were damaged and were not repairable. And so, yes, his heart was beating, his lungs were functioning, and he was, quote-unquote, alive. 
but it brings into question what does it mean to be fully alive? Well, that's a whole nother conversation. It is. It's a conversation for another <laughs> Not day. Not for this podcast. Yeah. So that was the transition to graduate school, which was a challenging one. But at the same time, I dived right into work as a coping mechanism. Right. And I don't necessarily think it was the best way to handle things, but it was what I knew. Right. right? Because I was a school person and I understood school then this new school was just already familiar to me in a very unfamiliar world, like as a now parentless child, right? Then fast forward to the time point where I would have transitioned out of graduate school into the full-on workforce. And about six months before that was supposed to happen, my mom was diagnosed with brain cancer. Oh, boy. So graduate school is a messy zone emotionally because both of my parents are intertwined there and the loss of my parents. So there were several times across my graduate studies where... I wanted to quit, I wanted to give up, but at the same time, I'm the first in my immediate family to go to university, and my parents were incredibly proud of who I was as a student and how accomplished I was across my academics, and so that was also a motivation to finish. Good, okay. And thankfully, I did. (laughs) It took longer than it was supposed to. Well, you had some hurdles to overcome. There was a lot of speed bumps. Yes, so in academia, there is this unwritten rule that you should finish graduate studies in a certain period of time. It is six years, two years for your master's degree, and you should finish your PhD in four years. That is if everything goes smoothly and life doesn't get in the way. Right. And so I like to say to people, don't should all over the place because it's not realistic. And I think that is the case carrying forward in my life is I should have a job. I should be married. I should all of these things. And I'm not there yet, and I'm perfectly okay with it. That's good. Um, because, you know, things come when they're supposed to, right. right? And as you mentioned, like, recently, those things have fallen into place. Whereas previously, I probably would have tried to force them because I thought I should have this done. I should be settled down. I should own a home. But it wasn't the right time. Right. And now things are falling into place with ease, like without a lot of effort, they're just sort of aligning and falling into place. And that I think is because they are supposed to happen as they're happening, not how they should have happened. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. What has the last six to 12 months looked like for you? Because there's been a lot of change in Megan's world. There has been a lot of change, <laughs> yeah. And so what's what's happened to you in the last year? You've had a lot of activity. Yeah, so I finished my PhD. I got a job. And that job is not permanent, but it is full-time. So that's a big hurdle to overcome as a new grad is to find full-time employment, especially in my field. It's very challenging. There are very few positions available and a lot of people competing for them. So to have full-time employment out of graduate school is a big checkbox, I guess. And it comes with a a grown-up salary, which is nice. So that's been a big transition, like financial transition has been, life has been slightly more comfortable. I graduated, so convocation happened much later than finishing my degree because of the pandemic. I got engaged. And along the way, because of you know, the transition from graduate school into the working world wasn't perfectly smooth. I uh, was challenged to launch my own podcast, so I've launched one of those. Uh, We are scheduled to launch another one in 2023. And because of those podcasts, we're actually considering launching a full-on media production company, which would include podcast production, book publishing, and editing of movies and film. 
Yeah, we haven't even gotten there yet, but I know you also have the entrepreneurial spirit. Yes. <laughs> and have we've had many a kitchen table conversation about business dreams and ambitions that involve, you know, you and your partner. You know, we always have a big brainstorming session and we're always excited about what the future looks like and all the opportunity that it holds. And just doing what you do already in your day jobs, jobs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As well as your outside endeavors and, you know, maintaining a household and now soon to be planning a wedding. Yeah. You already have a very full plate, but you always make room for yourself and for others to have a space to dream. Yeah. And that's really fun. I love that. I know you have some business ideas up your sleeve and yeah. I don't think you're ready to share them yet, but Not there's planning. I can hint at it. Yeah, go <laughs> ahead. G give us some hints. So recently my partner, who is a longtime senior stylist here in town, but also just a career that's 25 plus years long, recently was hired to do the hair for a film production and it is his dream come true. It's what he started doing hair for. It's why he got into the industry in the first place. Yeah, he's walking on cloud nine. He right is now. walking on cloud nine and, <laughs> and it was a while ago and he is still walking on cloud nine. But in addition to that, when he came home from his initial meeting with the production crew, it was pure joy across his face. It was the first time that I had seen that level of happiness in him, and we had been at that point together for seven and a half years. So to see that sparked not only joy in him, but then it was like I got the residual reverberation joy from it. And it kind of made me sit back and think, this is what work is supposed to be. Yeah. Work is not supposed to be going in day in, day out without any happiness. Right. So like, why are we working the way that we're working? I happen to love my job. I love talking to people about science, which is basically what my job is. So I love that aspect of it. But there are elements like any job that I get really frustrated with and don't love. And I really love making the podcast. So I was thinking about how can I take what I'm doing as a part-time kind of side project and turn that into my main source of income, my right. main job. And also for my partner, how he can take, you know, something that is right now a side project and turn it into something more. And so I love just sitting around dreaming which is great, but then how do you put that into motion? Right. And that's what we've started to learn about because we're not experienced in how to run a business or we're not experienced myself. Like, I'm not a sound editor. I don't really know all of the ins and outs. That's not where my training is in production, in audio production. Right. But I'm learning to do by doing because right. that's how sometimes you got to do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. As you think about passing the 40 threshold next yeah. year... What does your vision for the next chapter of Megan's life look like? And I like to refer to it as your act two, I guess, because you have come to this turning point, you know, in your late 30s where, you know, there was a lot of history and a lot of stuff, but it's all sort of brought you to this beautiful place where you are today, which I loved your word reverberating. Yeah. You guys are contagious right now. I just love being in your energy and being in your presence yeah. because I love seeing people hit their stride and just be glowing that energy that is contagious and you share it with others, which makes just being with you better and brightens people's days. So Aww. that's beautiful. When you think about your trajectory then, how do you keep this stride? And, you know, what does future Megan look like and what's she dreaming of still? And what do those plans look like? Yeah, so I think the reverberation thing comes from wanting to share it with people. Like, I don't know that 
if you hold on to joy that it's healthy or like if you keep it all to yourself I think joy is one of those things that we naturally want to share yeah and I think people want to be part of it we're not trying to do it on purpose to gloat or be boastful but we're having so much fun we just want everyone around us to have so much fun and we've experienced this level of joy in what we're doing that if somebody else wants to write a book we want to publish it if somebody wants to make their way into the film industry we had help along the way we want to help other people and sort of repay the kindness that was extended to us in terms of future trajectory like the sky's the limit in my opinion because nothing is impossible and I wouldn't have said that maybe six months ago when I was sitting kind of just dreaming like daydreaming about what the future might hold but then when I actually put little steps along the way not big things scheduling a meeting considering how do I go about trademarking a logo like learning new pieces of information along the way you don't have to go from inexperienced to all of a sudden an expert that's not how life works that's not how my experience in academia has worked it has always been this stepwise progression across time. And so I don't know why when it comes to entrepreneurship or business ownership, I thought I had to be an expert right away. So the future is just the stepwise progression of continuing to learn and continuing to explore possibilities. In terms of what future Megan looks like, she's going to have so much fun. (laughs) Um, Because like early life was a lot of stress. I grew up in a lot of stress, but that I think prepared me for where I'm at right now because I always wanted something different right I knew that you know like it wasn't the healthiest to be growing up in a home where parents were always at each other's throats I kind of knew that that's maybe why I spent so much time at school because I knew that I could create better for myself if I had a better job and a better job came with more education now did I need this much education probably (laughs) not but am I glad for the experiences that I have absolutely because the people that I've met along the way have all in their own way taught me something my first podcast started as a do you think you can do this and I was kind of like I don't really know but I'll try and I think that is the entrepreneurial spirit of just I'll try right and I'm ready to fail a failure is just as important as success because you win or you learn yeah I love that I remind myself of that every single day you either win or you learn and you actually win when you're learning Yeah, and it's all about balance, right? The universe or, you know, regardless of your spiritual beliefs, the universe is always balanced. We don't know happiness without experiencing sadness. We don't know light without knowing what dark is. And so do I realize or do I appreciate that we are on this really elevated trajectory and there is the potential for it to kind of roller coaster down? Sure. But have I failed in the past and been able to pull myself out of it? Absolutely. So I'm not as scared of failure anymore, whereas before I really was. I think that we all get that from, I guess it's called maturity or life experience. But, you know, in your 20s and in your 30s, you're terrified of failure because you think your life is going to be over and it's going to be end. And by the time you get to your 40s and 50s, you've been through some stuff and you've screwed some things up. Yeah. And you know that you can scuff your knees and get back up and keep going and it's going to be okay when you, you know, you don't get the job, you don't get the promotion, you don't get the dance, whatever it is. Okay. Yeah. Just try again tomorrow. And we know enough in ourselves that we do have resilience and that we bounce back from those things, which is great. I love your story. I love your resilience. And even just looking at you right now, you're glowing and you're smiling and it's so beautiful. I love that. Thank you. I know you have more story to tell and you have plans 
for ways to tell your story. Yeah. You mentioned that you have another podcast you're planning to launch next year. What's that going to look like and where could we find that? Yeah, so uh, we're going to be launching it as the first official project of Real Joy Media, which is the new company that my partner and I are launching. So Real Joy Media is just about what I was talking about earlier about when you experience real joy, we want to help you do that. Right. So for me, I've really found my groove in podcast production. It's not something that I ever thought was going to be my thing. But I do like talking to people about their story. That is my thing, talking to people. And so I'm really interested from the psychology perspective. My background is also in psychology. I want to hear people's story. And the average everyday person can have a really extraordinary story. But they're just an ordinary person. So uh, we're launching the Ordinary Extraordinary podcast in January of 2023. And it will be available on all sort of normally available podcast platforms like Spotify, iTunes, and so on. That's great. So that's the sort of stepping stone or the launch point of Real Joy Media. And then from there, we'll see. I know that there's also something else that goes by RJ that meant a lot to you guys. And you could think, you know, I'm doing this for RJ. Yeah. And that could mean one of two things to you guys, which could be real joy, which I love that you're talking about and you're sharing it. If you could bottle up Thomas right now, that would be yeah. real joy right <laughs> I there. I would be a kajillionaire <laughs> if I could bottle Thomas's energy right, right now. <laughs> and also, if it's not too much for me to share, you know, you had a dog named RJ that just recently passed, yeah. which was, you know, one of the downfalls of this year. Yeah. But I know that she brought you both so much joy and you want yeah. to keep doing it for RJ. Yeah. So maybe you can start to use that as your motto as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, as I'm doing things for Daisy, you can be doing them for RJ. Yeah. That was RJ's name right. was Real Joy. And so it was a very easy thing to think of that name, the business name. Yeah. Because when RJ passed away, which was really challenging for us, all of these other things were going on. So it was all of these positive things were going on. And then we had this tremendous loss, which for some people losing your dog isn't that big of a deal. But for Thomas and I, it's kind of like a child to us. Most RJ, people, yeah. Yeah, RJ went everywhere with us, did everything with us from camping to Christmas to just, you know, Sunday drives in the Jeep. So when she passed away, it was sudden, tragic. It picked out a lot of the trauma and loss that I had experienced earlier in life. For Thomas, it was one of his first big losses. And yet at the same time, we were experiencing all of this positive. So it seemed almost natural to call the business Real Joy because that's what she was and that's what we want for our future. Which is so beautiful. Yeah. I love that. And I know that you can continue to keep that in your thought process as you're building out your dreams together, building your life together now that you're engaged. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll continue to doing what you do for yourself and for RJ. Yeah. I really enjoyed our conversation today. As you know, I cherish our friendship, but I respect you as a professional as well. And I always feel that I learn and I'm better from having spent time with you. So I appreciate that. And thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thanks so much, Sherry, for having me. It's been a pleasure.